Hello, Grit Men, Grit Women, Grit Man here, and welcome to the Grit Men Show, where we believe it's all right to be a man and that the world could use more grit. Thank you for spending time with us. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for all of you that have listened to episode one and episode two. Couldn't do this without you. I've heard from a lot of you, and I just got to say thank you for your support. You know, the idea of hard work and not complaining and raising children that are respectful and have manners, appreciating our military and law enforcement, you know, and the belief that the world has gotten a little soft and can use more grit. Apparently, some of y'all agree with that. Uh, so we're going to keep going. I was asked by a friend if I was holding back any particular guests to, until we got our audience built up, and I told him, nope. I'm going to throw as hard as I can for as long as I can. Uh, we're not saving any pitcher for Game 7 because we got to get there. We're not going to defer to the second half. Give us the ball and go score some points. If it was golf, we're going to go try to birdie every hole and eagle the par fives. So we're going to make the best show we can, and then next show we'll make the best show we can. And if we run out of people to talk to, then the show will just die. But uh, i got to tell you, there's a lot of grit men out there, and their stories need to be told, a lot of research to be conducted, a lot of learning to take place. So excited about the future, and thank you for being a part of it. This episode today, the theme is laughter. Gotta, guys, we've got to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Got to be able to take a joke and just laugh. It's like my buddy Rick No says that, who happens to be our team doctor now. That's right, the Gritman Show is a team doctor. And Rick is Asian. His family came from Vietnam, but that doesn't matter. He's not an Asian grit man. He's just a grit man. Grit doesn't discriminate by race. But as Rick says, he says, instead of finding ways that we're different and analyzing that how about we find something that we can laugh at together let's laugh together and i think that's a great way of putting things so i believe each one of these episodes will will probably be like my children you know you love them for different reasons and i'm excited for this one uh, my son coy who i told you all about in episode one so he was born real premature and he struggles with things and he's he's taught me He's taught me a lot, and you know, selfishly, I wish he liked sports and the outdoors like I do because that would allow us to spend time together and create memories and connections. But each child's different, and that's not his thing, and so I've had to change and figure out ways to connect with him. We read dragon books, but one thing we both love is country music, and so we spend a lot of time in the car together, usually to and from his school, and this week... Luke Combs released a new song. It's called Doing This. It's what I call one of those turn it up loud, drive down the highway, belt it out kind of jams. The louder you sing, the, the better you sound. And neither of us are good singers, but we enjoy country music. And it's a good tune. Um, there's some Gritman principles in there. It's called Doing This. Luke talks about how someone asked him in an interview, you know, if you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? And he says that, well, if I weren't playing sold-out shows and big venues and the Grand Ole Opry, well, I'd still be doing this. I'd be playing for my buddies or playing for tips at a bar because that's just what I do. It's who I am. And so I think there's some, some good Gritman principles in that song. You know, Gritman like nice things, but we don't have to have them. You know, and Don't get too big for your britches and remember where you came from. Don't forget about your roots. Those are all Gritman principles. 
I also read a book this week about podcasting, and maybe I should have read it a few months ago, but one of the main points was about finding ways to connect with your audience and offering them ways to connect with you. I believe that makes sense, and so we'll give it a try. So let me ask you a question. If you had a young boy come up to you and ask you for directions on how he can become a man, what would you tell him? How would you direct him? I pondered that question all week, and I'm not going to give you the answers I came up with. It's a simple question, but maybe not a simple answer. I'd like to hear from you, Chris at GritmenClub.com. Also, please follow us on Instagram at GritmenShow and our website, GritmenShow.com. All right, so let's talk about our guest and laughter. And I got to make fun of myself first before I get into introducing this guest. We recorded this episode via Zoom, so our guest is from Scotland. There's no surprise that grit exists in the old world because most everything that got brought to America was either here through the Native Americans and they had grit or was brought here from some, some other place. So as I'm conducting this interview, I was told to use a Mac computer. It was better for the audio, and so I borrowed my wife's, and you're going to hear a few dings, and I apologize, but I can make fun of myself. That was on me. I didn't turn off the notifications, and apparently every store in the world wanted to let my wife know that they were having a sale that day. So I text her to come turn off the notifications, and little did I know that her text also come through there, so I exacerbated the problem. But anyway, we, we edited out what we could, but there's a few we couldn't, so just deal with it. A few dings won't hurt you. But our guest is David McIntosh, and I met David back in 2019. I was very lucky to go on a Scotland golf trip. My cousin Dan turned 60, and he invited me and my dad and brother-in-law, a few other guys, to go along. And we played six courses. We started playing... Royal Dornick, then we went to Castle Stewart, and then we went and played the new course, the old course, Carnoustie, and then Kingsmarns. And at Carnoustie, I got paired with a caddy named David, and we had a great time. We laughed the whole day. He told the funniest jokes I'd ever heard. So fast forward, I want to do an episode on laughter, and I was thinking about who would be a perfect guest, and David pops into my mind. Well, a couple issues. All I knew was his name was David, and he worked as a caddy from Carnoustie. So I went back and I found a picture, what he looked like that day. And so I called the caddy master over at Carnoustie. said, hey, my name's Chris, and I'm looking for David. I want to possibly interview him for my podcast. He said, well, I got two Davids. I said, okay. I said, how old are they? He said, one's 65 and one's 35, 30s. I said, all right, well, give me the younger David. And uh, tell him that I, he caddied for me two years ago. He may not remember me, but he told a Princess Diana joke. Make sure he remembers that. I gave my email. So about three days later, I get an email. Hi, Chris, this is David. You identified me from my Lady Diana joke. Apparently, you want to talk to me about a podcast or something. Thanks. So I wrote him back, and I said, all right, I got to make sure you're the right guy. On the third hole at Carnoustie, we had a putt, and you told me there's three things in life a man doesn't want. What are they? And you'll hear from him about that joke shortly. But he wrote me back, and word for word, he said what they were. And so you know, we had multi-step authentication here at the Gritman Show, and I knew I had my guy. 
And so we connected over the phone, asked if he'd be willing to come on the show. I told him the theme. It's about hard work. It's about not taking yourself too seriously, having a good time. And he goes, man, I love it. And the more I got to know David over these last few months, perfect guest. COVID has really hit his profession hard, and he's had to find a way to keep providing for his family. He says he has three children, and hard work is in his blood. He doesn't complain. He just figures out a way to go get whatever job he can and make the money to provide for his family. David's a grit man, and he's funny. I think you're going to like what he has to say. Uh, but keep in mind, some of these jokes are probably not for children, but I've asked David to recreate that day we were together two years ago where eight guys were just playing golf. Some of it's locker room talk, but context is important. So this is all guys hanging out. If my wife or daughter would have been in our foursome, he wouldn't have told these jokes. So if you're offended, well, just get over it. I hope you like it and uh, get out there and find your grit. Thanks for tuning in. Guys, he's a lot like Nails. He plays like Nails. He's tough as Nails. He likes to call himself Grit Man, whatever that means. Quit with my daddy Yes, I didn't make the time And it's been a year since I've seen a deer Had a small mouth on the line The other day I hooked a monster And as I reeled him in well, David, welcome to the Grit Men Show. Thank you for joining us. Where are you coming from? Where are you in the world? At the moment, I'm in Ardroth in Scotland, about seven miles north of Carnoustie. And um, work up here at the local COVID-19 test site. COVID-19 test site. Well, I thought you were a caddy. What are you doing at a COVID-19 test site? Yeah, well, obviously, COVID hit pretty hard, so there have not been a lot of visitors coming across to Scotland. There was obviously a travel ban, so there have not been a lot of carrying. Obviously, the US had a travel ban on for us as well, so I couldn't go over and carry in South Carolina like I would normally do. So I had to get a couple of jobs, obviously, to make up the shortfall. So I took a job working at the local COVID test site here in Arbroath. Been there just over a year now, so interesting times. So over here in America, a lot of people stopped working and just got handouts for the government. I mean, did the Scottish government not hand you all out? Um, if, if you were employed, they, they, they had a furlough scheme. So people were getting like 75% of their wages. Self-employed was obviously a little bit, a little bit different. So they were, I got a little bit of money out of them, but not much. Got it. So is there, I'm assuming that a lot of Americans are, I'm not sure what your clientele normally was, but probably a lot of Americans coming over to play the Scottish courses. Did that slow down, which meant that you didn't have money? Bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I mean, I would say I would say ninety percent of the of the people I carry for are Americans. Probably, maybe even higher. Um, a few Japanese, a few Europeans, some Australians, but but for the most part, Americans. Um, so yeah, I mean, I normally I normally do well over a hundred bags a year at Kamisti. I've done one last year, and this year I think I've done 11. So obviously a considerable downturn for us. And so a normal year, you would caddy at Carnoustie how many months, and, and what, what months would you caddy? So, I mean, the, the season in Carnoustie runs from April through October, but I wouldn't, I'm not normally there that long because I was going to South Carolina, so it kind of dovetailed for me. So I would be in Carnoustie April, May, June, July, and then probably August. 
go over to South Carolina, September, October, November, December, then come home for a couple of months and then go back January, February, March to South Carolina. Okay. What's the name of that course in South Carolina? Uh, Secession, it's called. Okay. Uh, designed by Pete Dye. It's a small town called Beaufort. It's a, it's a, that's a terrific golf course. To pinch myself when I'm walking around there sometimes. Paste the ass Scots, white Scotch guy walking around with palm trees. Not supposed to be there. <laughs> so how did you get into golf or, or becoming a caddy? Um, so, well, obviously, Carnoustie is just a small town. When I was a kid, there was maybe only 6,000 people. Not a great deal to do. Obviously, there's three golf courses down there. Um, so there was just really a natural thing. Pretty much most kids will at least give it a go in Carnoustie. Um, also, I think I told you before, we've got pretty good membership deals. Um, as an adult, there's three golf courses at Carnoustie. Obviously, the championship's top 10 in the world. But we've got the other two. They're ranked top 100 in the UK. Good little courses. So for, for membership on all three, for an adult, it's £450 a year. So probably between six dollars and $700. Flat rate. You can play as much as you want all year round. Kids, I think I think when I was a kid, it was like maybe eight. So maybe like $100 for, for me for the whole year. Um, up for two for the two golf courses because you didn't get on the big golf course until you were fourteen and you had a good enough handicap to play on it. So, um, and uh, I probably just through that I got straight into the caddy master. Started caddying for in nineteen ninety eight. This is a bad carrier for the first season, so not really giving advice. Just sort of walking out with the players, other caddies, sort of trying to learn the trade, if you will. And then it started properly in 99. So did you say that it's 450 pounds a year for you to be a member at Carnoustie? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So yeah, 450 pounds a year for, for the three golf courses. That's that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I've, I've read that Americans, what we've contributed to the game of golf is carts and making it exclusive and expensive. And that seems to make sense. If uh, Yeah, I mean, like... Our dues a month are more than that. So it... Uh, I think y'all got it right. Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, I mean, to be fair, we are also subsidised by the amount of visitors that come to Carnoustie. You know, there's obviously the summer months is pretty full. You got, I mean, I think I think they're charging three hundred pounds around now. So you got four guys going off every ten minutes. You know, I mean, there's what twelve hundred, twelve hundred, so fifteen hundred dollars every ten minutes that the golf course is making. So they use that. They say that, but they, they do a lot of good things like now where under 16s in Carnoustie get free golf lessons and they put classes on for them, teaching the basics and they show promise to get a little bit more coaching. They go out to all the local schools. I think there was a, a Scottish government initiative where they wanted every child under 16 to have at least played one round of golf by the time that they, were, they reached 16, just obviously to keep the participation rates up. I like that. So growing up, did you... So you're exposed to the game, but did you? What kind of upbringing did you have, and any other jobs that you've had other than caddying and now COVID testing site? Yeah, um, so yeah, growing up working class kid, both my parents worked sort of menial jobs, and um, never had a lot of money as a kid. So if I ever wanted anything, I had to basically figure out a way to get it myself. So I think probably from about the age of ten, there's a lot of a lot of fields in the local area with the big strawberries. So I'd go start doing that from 10 till 10 or 12, or probably over the summer holidays and any school holidays, I'd go and try and make a little bit of extra money. Um, as well as that, I got, got a paper round. Well, actually, I ended up getting three paper rounds. So the way it works over here, you get the morning papers, the evening papers, and then the Sunday papers. So they're all different. You'd have different guys for them all. So I was basically working seven days a week doing that. 
I want to obviously go to school as well. And like I said, just if you want anything, all the things my friends have got, if I want them, I have to go and get them. Exposure to the game, golf was more of a relaxer for me. I was more of a rugby player growing up. Rugby is probably the second biggest sport in the UK, participation-wise. So I played a lot of that, and so golf was just released from that. I played like I probably, I mean, I ended up I actually played for Scotland under 16s before before I done my knee. The famous old story. It could have been something. <laughs> well, it sounds like working's in your blood, and you didn't have any entitlement. If you wanted something, you had to go out there and earn it, and uh, hard work must come natural to you. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I get. I get bored of them off for too long. I used to always struggle with the caddying because when I took, like, South Carolina would go quiet over that, that secession would go quiet over the Christmas period. Was not, so I'd come home for obviously come and see the family and stuff. And it sounds good. So I would have eight weeks off, but two weeks into it, I'm climbing the walls. Like, I just can't be sitting still doing nothing. I'd rather be out making some money if I could be. Right. All right. So two years ago, I had the privilege of playing Carnoustie and somehow you were my caddy. Walk us through the selection process when you know, I played some courses, and usually the caddy comes up on the range or the first team introduces himself. But yeah, I'm so I never ask how do y'all decide who's going to be caddy for which player? That's basically I don't I can't talk for anywhere else, but currently it's normally pre decided by the caddy master. Caddy master gets a sort of list of all the players the day before and what times they're playing at. Then we'll get a text message or a phone call to tell me that right, you're caddying tomorrow at this time. We'll turn up. They'll either they'll either have our players allocated with caddies, or they'll just be the they'll just be the four caddies and the four players and say like that's the guys over there. So I mean, there's a few things you can do. You can look at golf bags, see what kind of sticks that they've got in their in their bag to, to try and determine whether they can be whether they're a player or not. Obviously, an ideal day for me is just walking up the middle of the fairway. <laughs> Don't often get that, but. So sticks in the bag. Are you seeing if they're all the same brand? If they're same brand, what? Yeah, what, obviously, what, what what brand they are. You know, what I mean, if they, if they look like they've been looked after or not, or if it's just an old set. Did you have to look into my dad's bag? Do you recall? I, I honestly couldn't. I can't remember. I, I probably will have. I probably will have. If you did, because he's got every. We call it the TV wedges, which you watch <laughs> the Golf Channel late at night, and you. Order these wedges. Oh, yeah, no, I do. I remember that. Yeah, I do. I remember he's got one of them chipper things. All right. I thought you maybe looked at him and said pass. And then <laughs> it depends. Sometimes older guys like that, they don't hit it far, but they, they, they tend to keep it pretty straight. All right. So we had, you got me. Uh, I'm going to assume you, you looked at my bag or watched me hit and like me, but sounds like you just got told that you were on my bag. So we go and we par hole one. We par hole two. Hit the fairway on three. Talk about getting ahead of yourself. I'm thinking, I'm going to shoot 72 at Carnoustie. I can't wait to go home and tell everybody. <laughs> and hit my approach into the third green, and you tell me, whatever you do, don't go long on this pen. And I proceed to just blast it on the back of the green. And we walk up to my ball, and you said the best line I've ever heard on the course. So just just a little bit of context. It was the, yeah, the third green at Carnisty was it's forty yards deep from front to back, but it's also on a steep hill from running from 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 back to front. And at the very front of the green, there's a little water hazard. So if you overhit your putt, you overhit your putt, it's going in, it's going into the into the water hazard. 
So uh, up the back, slippery downhill pup. See, there's three things in life that a man doesn't want. Wet firewood, dry pussy, and that fucking putt. (laughs) (laughs) And it's true, nobody wants that putt. All right, we three putted and went on to the next hole. Yeah, the third hole's a funny hole, Chris. It's a little short one. So it catches a lot of people. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but the, 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 amongst the caddies, it was, I think, the 2007 Open that played the hardest hole when he opened. Four, 4.8 or something was the average score on it. Uh, well, five wasn't too bad then. Exactly. Up with the pros. Up with the pros. So that was probably the best line I heard out of you, but you were full of them. And why don't you share some of your funny lines with our listeners? So I'll, I'll tee one up for you. So there was a hole that we all hit our balls to the, let's just say to the right in the crap. And um, you said something funny. See if you remember what you said when, when all the players hit a certain direction. What, what do you oh, got? Oh, yeah, all, all, all wild right. I think it might have been on the sixth hole because they've got an out-of-bounds fence down the left. So everybody's in the same area. So... I had said there must have been a, a naked lady over there with beer-flavoured nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody wants to go over there for some reason. Yeah, you had something about, I mean, our group was hitting it everywhere. Something about something wrapped in bacon or something. Couldn't find that, yeah, that, that, yeah that's, that's the other one. If you hit it really wild, so you, you could wrap that in bacon and Lassie couldn't fucking find the ball. <laughs> <laughs> That, that one on Google Maps. You see, Google Maps couldn't find it either. Google Maps or Lassie. Yeah, exactly. Then we've got, what's the other one that we have? The, the titty liquor. The titty liquor. What, which titty one? liquor. That's generally, if you, you pull it left or right of the hole, but it's on a dog leg and it, and it gives you a nice line in, in, into the green. So it's a titty liquor because it opens up the hole. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you had one that, I mean, look. Grit men need to be able to laugh. Humor is important. And you had one about Princess Diana. What was that? Princess one? Diana. That's it. You, get, that, you keep that for the tee shots. It's usually when somebody hits a, a big wild tee shot. And I'll say that was a Lady Diana. We'll give her a little look. I'm going to say, yeah, you shouldn't have used the driver. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you'll get that. You'll get a, ooh. So I'll always say, what was it? Too soon? Now, Jesus Christ, it's only been 20 years. <laughs> oh, that's good. What? Generally, I think you told me that uh, generally Americans love to hit the driver. Has that been your observation? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't seem to matter that the rest of the game. Like, there's there's, there's, there's only a few holes at Carnoustie where you don't need to hit driver. Like, you're you're going to be hitting driver probably 13, 14 times around Carnoustie. So, some holes you don't need to hit it, but mostly you'll say, "Don't you drive?" It's okay. I want to hit my driver because I, I can hit that three hundred yards. Nothing else matters as long as. It, I had a driver 300 yards. I'm all happy with my game. It's funny. So it's a little bit different as well. Like the, the, the approach shots around our game. But yeah, the Americans do love to hit a driver. So you're saying that maybe we need to work on some chipping and putting and iron game too? Yeah, a little, a little, a little, bit, a little bit iron play, absolutely. You know, you, you, you had the, the low punchy shots on, around Scottish golf course tend to, tend to work a little bit better. Trouble with a lot of American drivers is you're not used to the wind, so it's got the big high arc on it. You've got a 40 mile an hour wind that's not going to react too well with it. You get a lot of wild balls. So, typical year when we're not in this COVID crap, when you're on the bag at Carnoustie, 
what percent would you say your players are – what country are they from? Where are, they, where are your guests coming from? Yeah, like I say, so 90% at least would be American. Um, next to that, a few Canadians, South Africans, Australians, quite a lot of Japanese. There's been a few more Chinese in recent years. But I'm saying the majority of Americans. That's, uh, that, that's when, I, when I'm telling up to carry out, I'm looking for, I'm hoping I'm getting an American. So you like Americans? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think I said this before. I don't think you'll get many more American-centric countries than Scotland. It says that there's a, is it what, two, cultures se- two cultures separated by a common language? I think that's what they say. Uh, besides Americans, so Americans like to hit the driver. Do you got any other observations about folks from any other country? Um, gender, um what about Canadians? Yeah, the so Canadians. So, what you know what the difference between a canoe and a Canadian is? I don't. Canoes tip. <laughs> it's not fair. Canadians do tip, just Americans. So, obviously, more in the American culture, and Americans tend to tip a lot better than, than anywhere else. Japanese are pretty good as well, but Americans are definitely the top for tips. That's funny. <laughs> so, Carnoose is pretty hardcore. Uh, I mean, we watch the, the open. It, there's usually some carnage. I mean, you got the Vandeveld story that's sad, tragic, but uh, what do you have to see some really high scores, I would think. Most yeah, I mean, I've, I've, to be fair, I've, I've been doing it 20 years at Turnistry now. I've seen, I've seen a guy go four or five under, and I've seen a guy shoot 178. 178. 178. The guy hit every single ball. He was taking nines, tens, elevens, twelves, asking me for a read for a twelve. I'm like, um, the, the, what? One of the things. Oh, that, what did you tell man when he was asking you for a read? I just, I just have to go. I mean, he was an old guy. I think he was 78. I think he shot 100 shots over his age. You know, so I just you've got you just got to stick with that one. It's, it's probably it's a once in a lifetime. His daughter brought him. Ideally, would have been there twenty years ago, but he's here now. Um, one of one of the things that you do get is obviously St Andrews is is a forty minute drive from Carnoustie over the water. It's only eight miles, but you have to go to Dundee and across the bridge. Um, but you so you tend to get a lot of guys who have played St Andrews before they've came to Carnoustie. So they'll turn up at Carnoustie with a big smile on their face, like I shot 75 or 76 at the old, at the old course yesterday. And they think they're coming to Carnoustie to do the same. Like if you're shooting 75, 76 at the old course, you're lucky to break 90 at Carnoustie. But really? you know, that, that's just the reality of the difference there. Um, I think maybe I said to you before, I'm lucky if I see somebody break 85 times in the season. Okay. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I've only seen somebody go subpar four or five times in 20 years. So it's, just, it's just not something that tends to happen. Particularly, I mean, there's, there's a few reasons. One is first-time guys have seen the course for a lot of them, you know, not used to the conditions and the weather, different style of golf to what you guys are used to. You need to play short of the flag and, and let it run on, whereas you guys can sort of drop it on top of the pin and it'll tend to stick for you. But, yeah, she's definitely a tough course. In fact, one of the ones on the 14th hole, or quite often, I mean, I'll, I'll gauge it faster, but I'll say it to the majority of guys, like, if you can go level par from 14 to 18, I'll carry for free. I've never had to carry for free. 
14 through 18, so the home yeah. stretch. Yeah, yeah. So for 14, if you're playing off the L, which is a 460 yard par four. Okay. That's the one that's got the, the spectacles 50 yards short of the green. Okay. And then you've got first book. Thank you. 15's a big dog leg to the right. Again, quite a long hole around the 440 mark. 16, a long par three. I remember that one. Long par three, yeah. So again, depends where the pin is. That I mean that, that's playing anything from 210 to 240, 250. And also the whole these holes are all set up for them to be downwind, but obviously it's tidal, so it changes. You're probably 60% prevailing wind, 40% against you. So it can, you can be playing these holes into the wind, which obviously then adds that extra factor on. And then the last two holes, 420, 420. Obviously 17 is really tough. It's got, it's got the big the, the water that circles it. There's a big island in the middle. And 18, well, we all know that 18's oh, yeah. 17, 17 is going the opposite direction. Yeah, that's right. It, you've got that little, I don't know, you call it a creek or a burn? What do you call that? Yeah, thing? the, yeah, the Barry Burn, B-U-R-N, that's what we call that one. Burn. Yeah, that's the one. That's the same one that Vanderbilt was in. He was just down, up, down by the 18th. Got it. So you weren't caddying at the time. That was the 1999 Open, I believe. Yeah. What, were you? What were you doing then? That I saw that obviously, I mean, but back then they actually they closed the course for six weeks before prior to the open, um, just to have it in pristine conditions. They, they don't they don't tend to do that now. They'll they'll close it for a couple of weeks now, and then what 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 else they'll do is they'll they'll come out maybe six weeks before and they'll put sort of the areas on the golf course where you're not allowed to hit from. So if you were there that week, you either get a little lash or turf mat to hit from, or you move the ball out of that area. It tends to be where the pros landing areas are going to be. Um, so yeah, so '99, I was only 15 at the time, so I, I, I just remember that was that was peak Tiger in '99. There was oh, you had all the celebrities buzzing around. Carnoustie was it was a weird place, like Eminem and Will Smith and Brad Pitt were there. Not not, not used to having those types of people in Carnoustie. That's not your regulars. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean uh, Brad Pitt was playing pool in the local pool hall. Will Smith was in the local supermarket. Bizarre times, you know, I'm a little kid from the east coast of Scotland. Didn't really appreciate what Carnoustie was at the time. I think that's maybe, there's probably a lot of locals that are like that now, you know, it's just it's just a golf course to a lot of people. They don't quite understand exactly what it is. So, I remember you telling me something about the the groundskeeper, a greenskeeper. Yeah, so... After 1975, there was the Open that Tom Watson won at Carnoustie then. We kind of fell away from the rotor. Um, the course, I, I don't know who the greenkeeper was at the time, obviously, but I, was, I wasn't born till 83, but um, I just know that the, the course had gone way downhill. Um, and then they brought in a new guy called John Phillip. Um, and he kind of got the course back up to scratch. And then we, got the, we were awarded the Open in 1999. Um, but... John was a bit of a perfectionist and he was determined that there would be nobody was going to break the course record while he was the head greenskeeper there. So in the, the, the two months before before the Open, he, his house was on the golf course. So at, in the middle of the night, midnight, he'd get out, get the tractor out of the sheds and he was fertilising all the rough all around the golf course to make sure it grew. So I was, I was saying that, I mean, it, it was brutal that year. Um, you were the, the shortest rough was was knee deep, 
but you could literally get up to waist deep with a lot of it. We invented what was called the Carnoustie Shuffle. That was basically four car- four caddies in a line with their feet sort of wide open like that, just inching forward trying to find people's balls. You could drop it in front of you and it was gone. And I think that we've seen that with the scores. Paul Laurie won one in 99 and it was six over par. That was uh, the interesting one that year was Sergio Garcia, 19 years old, the new the new up and coming superstar to come out of Europe. He shot 89, 91, and it was and was seen crying in his mum's arms in the car park behind the hotel. Absolutely chewed him up. That was well, that was the year Carnasty was 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 founded. That's when we started calling it Carnasty as opposed to Carnasty. Yeah, you recently held the. British Open for the women. Were did you think about caddying or? Um, there, there was the potential for that, but again, the, the, the COVID rules were, were were pretty heavy, pretty onerous on you. Um, I had to isolate for the week before the test every day. Should it come about that I tested positive, my player would have been disqualified. You know, you got that already on top of the fact it's a high pressure. It's, 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 the, it's the ladies' open at Carnoustie. You know, there's, there's already that pressure on it. As, as well, I just, I just thought too much, too much hassle, and I'd not, I'd rather not be responsible for somebody for somebody being disqualified, particularly if they're doing well, you know, just because I managed to catch COVID from some place. So, I'd rather not, I'd rather not do that. It was the same this week. Uh, just the, the week past was the Dunhill Links Championship. That was the same. So that's played Carnoustie, Kingsband, and the Old Course. So it's kind of a, a celebrity pro am. Now, normally, what would happen is that we, we would just. When they came to Carnoustie, we would just carry at Carnoustie for them. But they wanted us again to go over to St Andrews the week before, get a PCR check, and then stay with the same players on all three golf courses. I, I, I don't, I, I know St Andrews, I know the old course pretty well. I know obviously Carnoustie very well, but I don't know Kingsband. I'm not, I, I'm not looking forward to. Yeah, just, just hit the ball over there, sir. I think. Is that, is that right? <laughs> you can only wing it so much. So did you caddy or no? No, not not this time. I've, I've done them in the past. They're fun, but they're slow. They're like six hour rounds. Yeah, I remember we played Kings Barnes the last day, and they had the pictures on the wall. I think the guy that wears those capri pants won it one year. Yeah, quite. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's been there's been there's been a few of them. Like um, it, it, it's quite a fun tournament. Like I say, you got all, you got a lot of Hollywood celebs and stuff stuff over. Like you got all, all the ladies down to see James Dornan, Mr. Gray. So are there any courses around Carnoustie or St. Andrews or just Scotland or all that you would say are the hidden gems that us Americans it's, know about? That's the, the problem is the, six, the last time I checked, there was 615 golf courses in Scotland. There's more, more golf courses per head of population than anywhere in the world. There's, there's probably 100, 100 golf courses within an hour of Carnoustie. So, you know, there's the good, the bad, and the ugly within that. Um, so, I mean, like I say, the, the other two golf courses at Carnoustie, they're, they're, they're great golf courses. They're worth playing. Um, one of the things I would say is a lot of tour guys don't don't tell you guys this and they won't do it for you. But when you come to Carnoustie, you've, obviously you pay your greens fee. You can add the, up, to three, up to a week later, you can add the other two golf courses on for an extra 30 bucks. And you can play them. So, I mean, if, if any people got quiet, they're definitely worth... Um, there's also another one just outside, about two miles from Carnoustie. That's called Panmuir. Um, that was actually where Ben Hogan practiced before the Open at Carnoustie when he went when he won in '53. 
Um, so it, good story with Ben was they hit flying, so you had to get the boat to Carnoustie. So two weeks on the boat, you got there a month before the Open or three weeks before the Open. Um, I think he was US Open in the PGA champion or US Open and Masters champion already, but there was no world rankings back then. He had to qualify. So he, he practiced, he played he practiced at the Pamir Golf Course, which is just a mile or two outside Carnoustie. There's actually a story of him there that he, he was out mowing the lawns with a lot with with the with the lawnmower just to make sure the greens were regulation. So it was all perfect for him. Um, then he qualified on the Burnside, which is the second course at Carnoustie. And then obviously went on to win the Open. Two weeks to get back to the US on the boat. And because it took so long to get back, he missed, I think it was the PGA he missed, or he could have had all four that year. Um, never came back, though. I think they reckon it cost him £800 for, for his entire trip, and he only won 500 for winning the Open. So it was a net loss for him. Times have changed. Yeah, absolutely. There's, a, there's some interesting stories from him at Carnoustie. I don't know if I told you. So fifth hole at Carnoustie, that's the one that's got the big, steep green. It's probably 60 yards. It's on two tiers. What what hole? The fifth. Okay. So day two, he leaves his second shot short, just, just shy of the green. I mean, he, he's put on it, but he's maybe two yards short. The flag was up the back of the green. So, I mean, you've, you've probably got 15 to 20 feet of elevation from the front to the back of the green. It's, it's very steep. So he, he has, a, has a slow walk up from the front of the green up to the, up to the where the flag is. There's a slow walk back down again. Wasn't convinced with it. I had another slow walk up to the up to the flag. And at that point, the crowd started giving him a slow clap. It's just to say, come on, hurry up. Stop taking your time. So he turns around and shushes the crowd, walks back to his ball, and a third time walks up to the flag and back to his ball. So by this time, the crowd are getting a bit, a bit angry with him. So he pulls out his nine iron, chips it up the green, runs it up, goes straight into the hole for a birdie and just walks off to the next tee. <laughs> That's Ben Hogan? That was Ben Hogan, yeah. That was just, yeah, and then obviously six is Hogan's Alley. That's awesome. All right. So yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's one of the things that Carnoustie's has obviously been around so long, but had all the greats that have played there. So there's a lot of good stories from, from most of the holes. You can get you can get one or two stories from 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 the old players. Trying to, oh, six, so there's OB to the left. OB to the left, yeah. So, so traditionally... The players would, would, would play it down the right-hand side to the right of the two middle bunkers. They're, they're around, so I think they're maybe 250 off the back tee. Um, so they would play down the right-hand side of them. The, the story goes, I don't know, I, I can't remember if Hogan faded it at the time. Or, or no, he so played the draw. But on, when he played that, the six hole at Carnoustie, all four days, hit it right down the out-of-bounds line, cut it back in and landed it between the bunker and the OB fence. So nobody had ever really played it that way before. So that, that then it became Hogan's Alley. All right, so we went over some sayings off the tee, but we have not got to the green. <laughs> so I remember you had some good ones. So what do you got for putting? For putting, so there's a few of them. You've got Grandpa's Tone Pajamas, if you're giving a read, and that's two balls out. <laughs> <laughs> or the Italian swimsuit. Wait, so one, one ball out. Out. it could be two balls left, two balls right. I mean, you can two use balls out, Yeah, yeah. So then you've got to go one one ball out would be the Italian swimsuit. If you go, if you go one ball left, that's the Lance Armstrong. 
<laughs> you got the Madonna. That's when it, that's when it goes both ways. It breaks left and breaks back. Breaks right. Right. Yeah, that's it. So it swings both ways. <laughs> what was the Kardashian? Oh, the Kardashian. That's right. So that's basically when when everybody's missed their putt. So you turn around and say it's a Kardashian. There's nothing small and white going in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> you get a few, another one I used it yesterday. The guy was he was he was just like half an inch away from from sinking all his putts, just burning the edges all day long. So so he's the gynecologist because he's the hole shaver. Oh, that's good. So one of, one of the things that you'll get sometimes, obviously, can you see, the, the greens are very subtle. You don't get a lot. You don't tend to get a lot, a lot of big breaks. But you, you will get a lot. Of, you will get some guys who like to question you on it, like it's going to go right to right to left. Are you sure it's right to left? So what? Well, one of my favourite answers, and I definitely know it's right to left. I'll be well for the last hundred and eighty years, it's been going right to left. But today might be different. <laughs> You want to play? If you want to play it different, knock yourself out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, if you want to make the putt, it's going right to left. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right, so you are running a COVID testing site to pick up some work since caddy and slow, but you yep. also said that you are a bouncer sometimes. That's Talk right. That. I'm a, on. A, so I mean, that, that's kind of what my background was when I when I left. I left school at eighteen. I uh, went to college and studied uh, computing um, and what whilst I was to pay for that, basically to pay for my life. My life at the time, I got a job as a, a, a nightclub bouncer. So I'd done that job for probably 12 years up and down Scotland, ended up as an area manager for the company. Um, so obviously COVID times have started, nightclubs were all closed down and pubs were all closed for, for a little while. Um, and one of the other issues that we've had, obviously, you'll, you'll know about Brexit. So a, a lot of doormen were, were from East, had a lot of Polish and a lot of Polish doors. Same with truck drivers. We've got a massive shot of the truck drivers now because they, they all got sent back. So my friend, he he's a manager at a nightclub. So obviously he knew my background in the industry. So I, uh, I worked just Saturday nights for him in, in the local nightclub in our roof called DeVito's. Nightclub. So like, what are the... With COVID, people can still come and... Yeah, I mean, so when they were the last things to be reopened was, was nightclubs and strip clubs were the last two things that, that, that they allowed to reopen. Um, no restrictions now. They are trying to bring out a passport for your vaccinations. You have to be double vaccinated to get in, but there's a bit of a court, there's a court battle going on with that at the moment. Um, so basically forcing people for the vaccine. So you're a bouncer, you just break up fights, or what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically, um, just keep, keep an eye on the place. Any, any, any fights, put them up. Anybody needs to be thrown out, I'll need to throw them out. Um, been, we've been pretty lucky over the years. I've, I've, I've been in some, some almost pretty dangerous situations, but I've always managed to get myself out of it. Um, I imagine that some... Scots are pretty feisty and uh, can put up a fight or don't take to being kicked out. Yeah, well, absolutely. They'll say that about Scottish people. As long as you're nice to us, we'll be the nicest people in the world, but you really don't want to piss off the Scotsman. But I, I always say there's, there's, there's genetic reasons for it. Like, we obviously were on the same island as the English and we have been for thousands of years. We've also been fighting them for thousands of years. So basically that meant if you were small, small and weak, then you got killed, you know what I mean? So you just basically bred aggressive people for a thousand years. You're at the end result at the moment. So, yeah, um, 
Dundee, depending on what what cities you are. So Dundee was where I was where I worked mostly, and um, was when I was doing it. I, it's a very aggressive city, um, just working class. So Dundee and Glasgow are kind of more working class. And then you've got sort of Edinburgh and Aberdeen, they're a bit, they're a bit more, bit more money about them. Um, so it's, but just, they're, they're still all rough. They're still all rough. The other thing, what like we had a big issue with was uh, soccer hooligans. So soccer hooligans. Yeah, yeah. So basically, soccer teams. There's a bunch of basically a bunch of a bunch of young guys like fighting, drinking. So you basically attach yourself to a football club, and then when when the two teams play in the league. You guys meet up at whatever town and have a big fight in the middle of the town or whatever. So each each sort of club's got their own set. We call them football casuals because they like to dress up, sort of smart casual wear. Um, so I had plenty plenty of battles, running battles with them over the years. So what's the legal drinking age in Scotland? The legal drinking age is eighteen. But so under under like underage drinking is a massive thing in Scotland. Most most kids will start drinking somewhere around fourteen. When we were over there, we drank a lot of beer that it had like a tea. Tenants, tenants lager. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's the number. That's the number one sound beer and the number one sound soft drink is something called Iron Brew. I, I believe Scotland's the only country in the world where Coca Cola is not the number one selling soft drink. Iron Brew. Iron brew, yeah. It's it's a difficult, difficult flavor to explain exactly what it is. I've heard a few Americans say it's similar to bubble gum, but it's not quite. It's like an orange color, an orange fizzy drink. More like an like a, almost a rusty color. Sounds it's great. Good. It's actually full of sugar. It's good for uh, good for a hangover. <laughs> uh, right, what have we missed? What else would do we need to cover? Any other funny stories from Cadian or people that have pissed you off? Yeah, so I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got a, a good one about a guy who um, I used who I caddy. He's actually a caddy with him in, in the US. He's a Scottish guy. He works over at Prestwick, um, and he was I can't even remember who he was caddying for. A guy from Florida. Not, I'm not, I'm not a major player, but he was caddying for him in the Open at Trin. Or Turnberry, a postage stamp. So practice round, and he's so he's standing there throwing some balls in the bunker for his guy to try and just get out of the bunker. He says, and VJ's on a couple of holes behind him. And says, just standing there. All of a sudden, here's the four shout. But it was, it was, oh, there was no four shout. Sorry, just stood, stood there throwing balls down, clink on the head, out cold. So there's pictures of him. You can Google him, Billy Soplinski's name. It's just all you can see is his, his new balance trainer sticking at the bottom of the, of the stretcher. Um, so uh, turns out VJ gave him a, a call um, just to see how he was. He says, uh, just phone to check up on you, Billy. Everything okay? He says, yeah, other than, other than a sore head, I'm, I'm not doing too bad. He says, Billy, is, is, tell me, is, is there anything I can do for you? So Billy's the type of guy, didn't, didn't miss a heartbeat, just I'd stay on the phone was, yeah, practice of fucking driving. <laughs> Scots are pretty blunt. Yeah, yeah, B Billy in particular. To be honest with you, that, a few of the one-liners that, that, that I've got, I've picked up from Billy. The, the West Coast's got that quite, quite a, much more humorous than the East Coast. I mean, the, we're all kind of the same, but they've just got more, more of a joker's mentality over there. It's fun. 
So they said there's probably ten of us, ten of us that end up in South Carolina, down down in Beaufort. I got a question for you. So we over here in America, we call your whiskey Scotch. I think I was calling it Scotch, and then I got corrected. Y'all call it whiskey, right? With a Y. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So I think Irish Irish whiskey is W H I S K E Y, and Scotch whiskey is W H I S K Y. There's no E at the end of it. It's whiskey. And do most Scottish people people living in Scotland do they do you see them drinking whiskey? Um, there's, a, there's a fair amount that drink whiskey. That not not massively. Not my. I can't drink it. It's the one drink that turns me aggressive. So I mean, maybe maybe that's maybe that maybe that's why we've got the reputation. Um, obviously, the lots and lots of whiskey distilleries are in Scotland. They can't make it quick enough at the moment. They've had to change a lot of the names and stuff because I mean, China, Japan, they're just sucking it all up. As soon as soon as soon as, it's, as soon as it's in a barrel, they want to buy it. All right, David. So I think a lot of people are going to want you on their bag when they come to Carnoustie or Secession now that they've heard how good a guy you are and how funny you are, and they're going to want to spend four hours with you. How can they request you to be their caddy? So the probably the easiest way would be to get in contact with the caddy master at the golf club, or if you've booked through a tour guide, speak to the tour guide. They'll know how to get in contact with my caddy master. Just ask for David McIntosh. So call ahead when they book their tea time. Hey, I'm coming to Carnoustie on whatever date, and I'd really like David McIntosh to be on my bag. That's Absolutely, yeah. yeah, that would be ideal. Uh, and if they don't give you a good tip, you need to report back to us. <laughs> exactly, you don't you worry, I will, I will. Well, David, thank you for your time. Thank you for being a good example for all mankind. Get up, go to work, don't make, make excuses, do the best of your situation. Uh, you're an example for all, man. Really appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much, I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Good talking to you, man. Guys, he's a lot like nails. He plays like nails. He's tough as nails. He likes to call himself. I saw a lot of family home.